Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. This is our Halloween episode because Halloween is next week and we are stoked. A lovely casual Tuesday Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're still going to have fun, though. It's going to be great. Always, always. When it's a weekday, it just means that you get a weekend and Halloween. Like when Halloween's like a Saturday. Exactly. It's like that day. And then I feel it's like it's. Yeah. And if it's on a Wednesday, you get weekend before and weekend after. (laughs) We don't make the rules. That's just how it is. And if you're Amanda and I, it's just spooky all year. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've been asked several times, have you decorated for Halloween? And I'm like, I never undecorate for Halloween. Yeah. Like Amanda and I have very different homes. Like hers is definitely more like classic spooky. And mine is I have hidden the spooky a little bit. Like there is like a satanic Furby like tea party in my dining room. (laughs) But like there's like a beautiful glass bowl. And then there's like baby doll heads inside of it. Or like you'll like see my bookshelves. But if you like walk up close, you'll see that there's like tiny little ghosts and then like around and such. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's just like we are spooky. But we did buy a lot of big art that is going to change the vibe once it's hung up. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to see it. So much art to hang. An overwhelming amount. When we went to Mothman Festival, we bought a lot of cryptid art and I'm very excited to put it up. How exciting. Well, I haven't bought any new art, but I've bought a lot of coffin bookshelves. Oh, yeah. And I just ordered a custom coffin dog bed. I don't think that's for me. I don't think I want my babies in a coffin. That makes me feel sad about it. I mean, mine are probably going to chew the side of it. I have. Oh, that's another thing. I got a puppy this week. His name's Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay's named it Jason. Oliver vetoed that. So my son's like, no, Jason, because I got him on Friday the 13th. So his name's Jason. So we've been calling him Spectre. Like ghost. Very Spectre, cute. A ghost. I love that every time you t- say that, people are like, like Harvey Specter from Suits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's um an old story of, they say the specter of a black dog, and it's like an omen of disaster. And a puppy is an omen of disaster in general. So I thought it was fitting. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're <laughs> like, we got new floors. We should ruin them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I have not had a puppy in a very long time, so I'm very excited. And he's actually very good. He's been so good. The pictures of him and Hallie are very sweet. I do love, like, adult dog puppy, like, the way that the puppy's like, and now you're my best friend. Mm -hmm. You don't have a say in this. This is just the way it is. Yes. Hallie's stoked. She loves him already. So there's been a lot going on. We're really celebrating Halloween in this house this year. (laughs) I love that for you. Well, Today for our podcast, back to that. Oh, is uh, that what we're doing? <laughs> we're going to be talking about Halloween 2023 trends. And then we're going to talk about some horrific Halloween true crime. Hmm. But we always do this every year. Before we get into it, what are your Halloween plans? And what are you dressing up as if you are? Okay, so my brother has the world's best Halloween party. So that's what we're doing. On Saturday, there was another party that we were going to try to go to, but we can't. And I'm devastated because it was like a Greek God-themed murder mystery party. Ooh. I know. And I was like, I want to do both, but I can't. So I'm very sad to miss that. And then my niece's trunk or treat 
is today. So I'm going to help with that as an under the sea theme because she's the little mermaid and my nephew is flounder. That's cute. That's very cute. What about you? We have a couple trunk or treats and Halloween events the weekend before Halloween, and then we're going to go trick or treating on Halloween. We, of course, have a really ridiculous costume for Oliver, as usual. <laughs> what is he this year? I don't know if I've shared it this year yet, but he wanted to be a refrigerator. I love that for him. Like, is it your refrigerator or a refrigerator? Just a refrigerator. Like, it had to be a refrigerator. And those that are new to us, he picks a strange costume every year. Last year, it was a bookshelf. The year prior was Alexa, like the device. That was a hard one, though, because you didn't you have lights in it? Yes. Yes. And I have lights in this one this year. I'm almost done with it. I'm enough to finish it next week. It is very late in the game to suggest this, but you could put dry ice in it so that it looks like there's cold air coming out. Oh, my gosh. I would die. Well, he's going to be the fridge and I still have to put armholes in it, but the rest is fairly done. And then, of course, because the dogs will be dressing up as well, they are both going to be little chefs. Oh, my God. Stop. Like with the fridge. Like us and Overcooked? Yes. Yes. Like they have the chef hats. So Hallie's just going to fucking push into Jason and Jason's going to be like, I'm just trying to chop this onion. Yes. <laughs> and Hallie's going to say, I have to get over there right now. This is Amanda and I playing <laughs> yes. Overcooked, by the way. Can you guess which one Amanda is? <laughs> And this is the one that's just pushing me around. I'm like, let me chop my onion in peace. I take this seriously. Our customers cannot wait. She does. She really, like, I am not a type B person, but compared to Amanda, I am. <laughs> I say this lovingly. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but I think Mike and I are just going to wear aprons. Cute. Done. Easy, easy. And go with them. So we all match. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how long he leaves it on this year. I'm hoping it's a little lighter than last year's. Look, if he doesn't keep it on for at least an hour, next year he has to make his own. I think that's fair. He can't require a 20-hour labor costume and then be like, and now I'm wearing this for an hour. I think I would <laughs> implode. Halloween costume contests are like his thing. He is obsessed. Okay, I can appreciate it then. But if he's going to be obsessed with them, he has to put in the effort because he's just he's committed to like being like a pageant king. Just put him in pageants if that's what he wants. <laughs> like, you're you're his like fairy godmother, or or you like a um like a pageant mom, like a Halloween oh, pageant gosh, mom. No. I'm just like, please, like you know, other kids want to be like Mario and shit this year, right? And he's like, I want to be a refrigerator. Well, and like, it's not like he doesn't like Mario or like Minecraft or other things. Yeah, yeah, no, he loves all of that. And then when I was like, oh, what should the dogs be? And I'm like, oh, look at this cute chef costume. And he's like, no, I want the dogs to be microwaves. And I was like, no. I will tell you that when you said, and the dogs, I was like, what appliances are they going to be? Because I thought it was going to be like a whole appliance situation. Like somebody will be a toaster. I need a live-in Halloween costume maker at this point. You need a staff. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice to have a life where you had a staff? I can't even imagine that. What a dream. Dream. Notice that I did not tell you what I will be dressing up as. And it's because the Halloween party I'm going to is tomorrow. And it is a mild surprise. It's not that much of a surprise. I'm very tickled by it. It is not that funny. It is very funny to me, though. What is it? It's for my brother's 80s themed Halloween party. That's all I'm telling you. Well, we'll look for pictures. We'll post pictures of all of this, of course. Also, like, Amanda's like, I have slaved away at this costume. And I'm like... My costume, the only thing I have to buy that is new is socks. That is the only thing I have to buy. <laughs> okay. All right. I am excited. I'm so excited. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. 
So we're talking about Halloween costumes. We want to see your Halloween costumes as well. So if you tag us in your Insta stories showing us your costumes, you will also get an entry in our spooky basket contest. It's a win-win. We get to see your costume. You might win a basket. It's great. And also, Amanda and I did not discuss this prior to this, but if your costume, if you can tie it to any one of our episodes in your story, 10 entries immediately. Ooh, 10 she's, entries. She's just going crazy with what do you contest. think? What do you think about that? I feel like if you can tie it in. Mm-hmm. I like it. So just an option. If you two are a Halloween contest connoisseur like Mr. Ollie. Oh, you know what I should do is I'm going to make one of our stickers into a pretend magnet for his fridge. That's cute. So Amanda mentioned earlier what we're talking about today. So we're going to just jump into some Halloween trends. I am always intrigued about like what is the popular costume each year. Yeah. So the Halloween Costume Association, because that's an organization that exists. I want to work for them. That sounds great. You think it sounds great, but like that does not sound like a fun time being like, I'm just looking at the internet and what people are buying. You're looking at reports. I'm doing that anyways. At least give me money for it. I mean, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Okay. So here are the costume trends this year for popular culture we have. I mean, this is no surprise. The queen herself, Taylor Swift, Mm -hmm. right? She's everywhere. Everywhere. She's pervasive. Ben was like, who do you think the most famous person in the world is? And I was like, I think it might be Taylor Swift. Yeah. Done and done. We've seen her. We've seen her. She was a treasure, a delight. But anyway, Mario Brothers. Makes sense. Wednesday Adams. Also not a surprise. No, that's everywhere. And Little Mermaid. Love this. It's going to be so cute. Love it all. It's going to be so cute. My niece is going to be Little Mermaid, so I'm like 10 out of 10 excited for her. And then when, so they're breaking down like categories, but notice we didn't say Barbie. And that's because Barbie has her own category. Love this for her. There's a TikTok where an entire neighborhood did like different Barbie houses. And I was like, ah, I love that so much. It was so cute. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. And then also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got its own category as well, because now we have the old versions of mutants and such and the new versions of mutants Mm -hmm. that apparently the government wants to milk and people can be both. (laughs) You know, that movie was so good. I didn't expect it to be so good. I thought I would like it. I didn't know that I would love it. Like I was like, oh, I just want to watch this 7000 times. Yeah. So other trending costumes, creepy, grim and skeleton costumes, the usual Mm -hmm. nostalgia, fantasy and medieval costumes also feels pretty usual. And then apparently Halloween accessories are selling more this year than they have before. And that's especially wigs. Interesting. I mean, the Barbie movie had a ton of wigs. So I wonder if that's part of it, too. And then like Wednesday Adams and then blonde Taylor Swift wig. I don't know. No. Yeah, totally fair. But I mean, interesting. So according to the National Retail Federation, the NRF, a record of 73% of consumers plan to celebrate Halloween this year. Good. And last year it was 69%. And before the pandemic, it was 68, which we're going up. Love it. Why, why would you not celebrate Halloween? What a good time. So the NRF estimates that people will spend about $108.24 per person on costumes, candy, decor, and greeting cards. And I just want you to know that Amanda and I are skewing that number up. <laughs> yes. Yes, we're helping with the average there. <laughs> and the Halloween season will bring in $12.2 billion. Love that. Spooky economy. So the number of generations celebrating has also gone up. So it's not just college age and younger people celebrating. It's being driven by millennials and elder millennials. 
You're welcome, world. I also just want to point out that, like, it's strange to me. It's not strange because this is how time works. But, like, our generation obviously isn't the youngest anymore. But it's so interesting that, like, when you're like, X, Y, Z, it's a problem. And it's because of millennials. It's like, uh uh-uh, not us anymore. You're talking about Gen Z now. It's their fault. They get a turn on the blame wheel. Yeah, that and uh, we're helping the world celebrate Halloween. So, like, I feel like we get a pass for everything. Right. We should now. We've earned it. (laughs) So... Consumers have spent $700 million on pet costumes, as they should. Mm -hmm. And again, send us your pets in costumes. Am I just shooting from the hip with entries now? 15. 15 entries if you send me an animal that is in a true creeps costume of some sort. You can tie it to an episode. 15 entries. Ooh. Because... I like this. Do you not want to see some dog dressed up as like Lavinia Fisher? Absolutely, I do. I don't know why she's the one who came into my mind, but she is. I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking like a Sasquatch or like a horse, like an evil horse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you will need to specify that the horse is evil because of trauma. Yes, of course. If if that's the route (laughs) you take. We're just giving you ideas. There's so many. There's so many things you could do. So many ways you could take this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) A Halloween gift for you. We're running out of time for the contest. Yeah. So Halloween gift. So now we're going to pivot a little bit and we're going to get into Halloween true crime. And the first one we're going to talk about is a shooting that's been dubbed the Freddy Krueger shooting. Oof. Yeah, this one was interesting. So it happened back in 2016 in San Antonio, Texas. And it was on October 30th when a group was having a Halloween party. And the Halloween party actually did start pretty late, around midnight-ish. And everyone was having a fantastic time. Around 5 a.m., a man dressed as Freddy Krueger, along with a couple other men, arrived to the party. And there are various stories as to what happened. And one of the victims actually said it was around 10 people that showed up. That's a lot. But most of the news articles say just a small handful. The hosts of the party were Michael Matta and Louise Carrasco. And it was at Louise's house. So after what we're going to talk about happened in 2018, so a couple years later, Louise made a video and he shared it on Twitter, sharing his side of the story. So some of these details are directly from him. So when the people came in, or tried to come in, the hosts did not recognize them, right? So they're like, "Mm, I don't want you in my house. I don't want you to come in. Fair, right? As one does, if people who you do not know try to come into your home at a party or generally. Yeah, yeah. So they were trying to keep them out, but the men shoved their way into the home. So Louise was a little frustrated and got some of his friends to help him get them back outside. So in the front yard, Because, again, he didn't know who these people were. They were able to successfully get these uninvited guests outside. Then, as they're outside, one of the uninvited guests told Louise to fight his brother one-on-one. Not sure why they're just like, let's fight. But that's what happened. Now, I don't think they knew this at the time, but Louise was an amateur boxer. So as the fight began, he, in his words, he knocked them out. So like one would come up, he'd knock him out. One would come up, he'd knock him out. So it was a couple of them that he just bam, 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 they're floored. So as Louise goes for the next guy, he noticed that the person who was dressed as Freddy Krueger pulled out a sawed off shotgun and immediately shoots him. So Freddy Krueger fired and hit not only Louise, but four other people who were at the party. And then the rest of the uninvited guests just bolt. The neighbors heard the gunshots and called 911. And according to Cassie, one of the neighbors who had heard the shots, said it looked like complete chaos outside. There were people running everywhere. Three men from the party were transported to the hospital via paramedics. 
One woman drove herself to another hospital, but she crashed on the way, and the last man was treated at a different hospital. For the woman who drove herself, we don't know why she didn't go with paramedics, but or like the other men that were shot, but it was just strange. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is maybe she left during that chaos and was already driving before the paramedics came. But I I truly don't know. I couldn't find details or even her name. I could also see if she had like a not fatal shot. Yeah. Being like, I'm just going to drive myself because they're going to need the ambulances. And like, typically, it's not like six ambulances that show up at a time. It's like one or two. Right. So from what we could tell, everyone survived. But remember, earlier we said Louise was shot and he was shot in the abdomen. And we were able to track down a GoFundMe for him. And it showed that he had a really difficult recovery, which a shot to the abdomen. That makes sense. Yeah. That's very hard in the body. So we're in October, right? In December, Luis was supposed to have his pro debut for boxing. And had this not all happened, he would have been able to do that, but he couldn't. Yeah, that was really sad. It's just so sad. Yeah, because he worked so hard. Yeah. And I know I brought it up earlier, but he did post a video. And according to his video, doctors told him the only reason he survived is because his core was really strong because he was prepping for the fight in December. So had he not been like that built in a sense, like he wouldn't have survived. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Just another reason to work your core. Yes. So he showed a picture in the hospital room when he first arrived. So like the room they were working on him in and it was just blood, like blood everywhere. He was in a coma for about a month and he got to go home like five to six months after. So that's how long he was just in the hospital. But he wasn't done. He had to go to the hospital many, many times for various surgeries. And in the video, which was made in May of 2018, so a while later, he made it in the hospital and he showed the extent of his injury and how horrific it truly was. His stomach was essentially open. Like they couldn't just close it because they had to keep working on him so much. So he had like a plastic cover over his stomach just being open and he couldn't eat for the longest time. He just had to be hooked up to machines. And then at one point they were able to like do a skin graft and cover it. But then he had a complication and almost died. So after that, when they were able to luckily save his life again, he went into another coma, had to have his stomach open all over again and start the healing process from the start. That's terrifying and so sad. Yeah, just like wanting to throw a Halloween party with your friends and then that being the outcome. Yeah. At one point during his video, this kind of got me. He was like, during that complication that he had where um, I think it was like stomach acid or something was leaking. And his doctors came in and said, hey, you, you should call your mom. You should call your friends. You should call everyone and let them know that you might only have hours to live. Ugh. Ugh, it got me. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. I also want to point out, too, that when you are the victim of a violent crime, you could sue that person who hurt you for your medical bills. But outside of that, there is no mechanism that automatically just handles your hospital bills. Yeah. So the ambulance ride, the ER, then the surgeons, then the six months of recovery and likely the physical therapy to like get back on your feet and such. That is not something that the government just automatically pays for and not sure whether he was insured or not or like how that worked for him. But like medical insurance might cover part of it, but there's limits to medical insurance and there's deductibles. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we looked at was the Texas Attorney General's office. They have a crime victims compensation fund, but it looks like their compensation taps out at $50,000. 
which is not a lot of money when you're talking about medical bills. Yes. He could have gotten to $50,000 on the first night easily. Oh, for sure. I think he had a few surgeries just that first night. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he could have easily gotten to 50,000 just there. And so the idea that not only was he not able to like achieve his dream that he was just about to do, but like he was injured, recuperating for months and months and months, years. And then theoretically, you could be saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just horrifying. So getting back to the case, there were no breaks in the case for almost a year. Then, on August 9th of 2017, a judge signed the warrant for 22-year-old Robert Contreras' arrest, and he was arrested in October of 2017. Two witnesses identified him in a photo lineup, and the affidavit didn't say how police figured out that Contreras was a suspect. Contreras was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and then there was also a charge for an unlawful carry of a weapon. After his arrest, the San Antonio Police Department got a search warrant for his car and found guns, ammos, and three bags of marijuana. According to Louise, a detective told him that they were actually there to rob his house, which that seems like a bad idea. Like, why would you try to rob someone's house in the middle of a party if you know there's lots of people there? Yeah, it's very weird. I feel like it makes more sense to break into an empty house because people are going to be gone and come back tired and they're not going to be looking around for what's missing versus like, I'm going to go to the most populated house because even if people are leaving, there's valuables in the home and like people have cell phones and things like that. I feel like you would have a better chance of not being caught and getting higher ticket items in an empty house, right? Maybe. I think, I mean, you're going to explain it in a second, but I think what their goal was is at the end of a party, people being kind of drunk or kind of out of it, especially like very early in the morning, so that hopefully they won't remember or won't know who did it. One, I mean, he was wearing a mask, obviously, but also taking a bunch of cell phones at once, you know, like iPhones and things are pretty expensive, and then robbing the home and then taking everyone's wallets all at once, maybe. I mean, it's still dumb and doesn't really make a lot of sense, but robbing drunk people versus like accidentally getting stopped by someone sober, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I get that what they were doing was they were waiting for parties to like die out and they would kind of go in as their group, stick people up with guns and then take their cell phones and valuables. But like, it feels like the world's most unnecessarily risky crime, right? Because people have location services on their phone. People have, like, sometimes people will put, like, a tile on their phone or, like, an Apple tag in their phone case so that they can find their phone with their iPad or their computer. And, like, that kind of stuff exists. So it feels like they were taking a lot of unnecessary risks for things that are not that high of value. Like, yeah, okay, you might buy your iPhone for $1,000, But a stolen cell phone is not going to sell for its full value. Yeah. If I'm going to a party, I'm not going to fill my wallet with cash. That's true. So I don't know. It just feels weird. It was very strange. But so at the time of the incident, within a half mile radius, there had been more than 20 burglaries and seven reported robberies. Look, it just makes more sense to go into the empty homes. Like, I would imagine that there's a lot of theft on Halloween because people are not home and they're not focused on that. And I feel like people are more likely to go, I just left that back door unlocked. I'm just reading into the day because it's a spooky day. That was just me. Nothing happened. Like, I could see that mental, like, exercise, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting case. I'm really glad that everyone survived. I know he had a very, very hard road, but glad everyone lived. So the next one we're going to talk about is an interesting case. 
that happened on Halloween night in 1977. And it's a child abduction and unfortunately a murder. But after we talk about the one that happened on Halloween night, we're going to get into another case that is very similar. Hmm. So on October 31st of 1977, Rose and George Carter were putting their 19-month-old daughter, Nima Louise, to bed in their home in Lawton, Oklahoma. Shortly after, the parents heard Nima crying. However, they were trying the cry it out method, so they didn't immediately go to her room. Eventually, the crying stopped, so everyone went to bed. The following morning, Rose went into her daughter's room and did not see Nima. She immediately asked George if she had seen her. And at first he thought, you know, haha, she's just hiding. She found a hiding spot. But then he quickly realized something was very wrong. I can't even imagine the guilt that they would have had being like, we're just going to let her cry it out. And knowing like if they would have done something differently, something different could have happened. It also very much could have been the same thing that's going to happen would happen because you might just go in and pick up a crying child and then put them back down when they're soothed. Yeah. And then there's the same result. But situations like that always hurt my heart where I'm like, oh, I could imagine being like, what if I had done X, Y, Z? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few interviews I was able to find of George and he talks about the guilt and how it haunted them for years. And he's like, if I just would have gotten up and I didn't. And it's just very, very sad. Mm. So they searched the house and they were unable to locate her. The window in the nursery was locked and I believe the front door was too, which is very strange. George believes someone must have been hiding in Nima's room that night. So like when they went in there to put her down, they might have been like in the closet. Nima's parents were investigated and there was a big search of the area. There was no evidence, though, to link her parents to her disappearance. And they were able to pass lie detector tests with flying colors. So the police are like, okay, they didn't do it. So fast forward to about a month later, the day before Thanksgiving, a Fort Sill soldier found her body. And this is really horrible. She was found inside a refrigerator in an abandoned house. That is awful. It's terrible. The house was only four blocks from the Carter's home. And actually first who found her was a group of neighborhood boys. They were like playing in this abandoned house. I don't know why. And they opened the fridge and freaked out and ran. So then the Fort Sill soldier went to investigate and then saw what the kids had found and called authorities. Interesting and so sad. Yeah. So she was badly decomposed. And detectives believe that Nima was placed inside the fridge by her kidnapper pretty quickly after she was abducted and then just left to suffocate. I find it strange that this abandoned house wasn't searched when they had the search of the area because four blocks is not very far. No. And you would assume that they would look at abandoned places like that would be a standard thing to do. You would think. Unless maybe they didn't know it was abandoned. Like if they just thought it was somebody's house. Maybe. So sadly, this wasn't the first time that this happened in Lawton. Just a year before, two children had disappeared. On April 8th of 1976, three-and-a-half-year-old twin sisters Mary Elizabeth Carpenter and Augustine Tina Jacqueline Carpenter were lured out of their grandmother's home. They were watching TV when the familiar face, their 16-year-old babysitter, unlocked the living room door and coaxed them outside. At first, they followed, but then at some point, they must have not wanted to, one of the grandmother's neighbors, Thelma, identified Jacqueline Rubido with the girls. And specifically, Thelma said that she had seen Rubido dragging the girls by their wrist and that the girls were trying to get free. And she said that she didn't report the incident because she didn't want to get involved, which 
I feel like that's a very 1976 like mentality. Mm-hmm. But also if she was the babysitter, I could see that, that she's like, I see her with them before, you know, like I could see sometimes kids don't want to be with a babysitter or, you know, they're trying to like run away or do their own thing. Yeah. Or they don't want to go home. Yeah. I could see why she might not be like, this is a problem. And 16 year old girl, like, I don't think most people would be like, she's who did it, you know, or she was involved. Yeah. Yeah. So the girls were found two days later in a refrigerator inside an abandoned home. And again, kids were playing inside. And at this time, they heard cries for help. Oh, chills. So one of the children that was playing was Kathy Ford. So she and another child went to the refrigerator and opened the door. Tina was alive, but her sister had already passed away. And she was alive because she was able to breathe through a tiny hole in the fridge. I also just want to point out that when you think of fridges today, they close with a seal. But there was a point when you had to like pull a lever, right, to unlock it and unlatch it. So you couldn't have like just kicked it open from the inside. Like you could have kicked and kicked and kicked. But especially at like three and a half, you're not going to have the leg strength to like break that mechanism. Yeah. But can the poor, poor thing. She's in there with her sister. You know, like she's already going through it generally, but also like she's in there with her sister who's passed and she's her twin. So it's like an even deeper hurt. Yeah. So. Because Tina survived, she was able to testify years later when she was 10. And so we have more information. So Tina had said that Rubido had taken them to a house with broken furniture inside, told them to get inside the fridge. And then she said that their aunt would be there to get them out and would take them for ice cream later. She then shut the fridge and left. Horrific. Horrific. It's also like, why? Right? Why? It makes no fucking sense. Yeah. So... People in Lawton were very scared. And kind of like when we talked about a few of our other cases, they were running around replacing their locks for their doors because they were all worried. And after this, Robido obviously was a target, right? But there was no physical evidence. And Tina was just so little that they couldn't go off of just her word. Breaks my heart. It really does. Also, remember, what we're talking about here happened in April of 1976. This was before our first story that happened on Halloween night, right? So before mm-hmm. Nima disappeared. It's literally about a year and a half to the um, mm-hmm. like to the day almost, right? Yep. And we're going to talk about a link between the cases now. Not just how they died, but another link. Because of the lack of evidence, the investigation stalled and Robido remained free. People say that she was very quiet and had a shy demeanor and she continued babysitting somehow. And by 1977, she agreed to babysit for the Carters and their daughter, Nima. Which means also that she would have keys to their house. Yes. Yes. And I saw, so there's a lot of theories online. There's a lot of different talks about this case. And I saw like, why the hell did the Carters let this lady watch their kid knowing that she was like the main target for what happened to the other girls? And I was trying to wrap my head around it. And I'm like, well, in the 70s. How much would this have gone out there? You know, like it would have been on the news and they would have said there's a suspect, but it's not like she was arrested, right? Like they didn't get to do anything with it. Well, also, again, right, we didn't know what Tina said about Jackie until years later. So it could be that she said Jackie, but they were like, maybe it's somebody who looks like her, right? Because people knew her to be shy. So they were probably like, she wouldn't do this. She's shy. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine 16 years old, she's probably babysitting for a lot of people. Yeah. And so if you babysit for like six families, 
and one of them something happens then there's five other families who were like it would never be jackie like she right is great with our kids mm-hmm. and i was thinking too like today we have tons of social media right we have groups we have a neighborhood facebook group and people always ask like hey have you taken your kids to this daycare have you done this have you hired this person they didn't have that back then so it's not like all the neighbors could easily talk about things that are happening and, and especially it's like it's a whole city right And people are very different with children today than they used to be, right? Like, yeah, 70s, that was you're playing outside to the lights come on. You listen to adults no matter what kind of Mm -hmm. age mentality. Yeah. So like I could very much see where you were like, oh, it's a kid from the neighborhood. They're a good kid. I know their parents. Yeah. And then that's what you need to know. Right. Versus like today you're like, are we doing a background check, a credit check? (laughs) I'll search you on Facebook. I'll search you on every social media possible. In Maryland, you can go into Maryland Judiciary Case Search and anyone's name and see if they've gotten a freaking parking ticket. Not a parking ticket. You can see if they've gotten a speeding ticket. Like you can go that thorough. But I don't think they were doing that in the 70s. No. So let's get back to 1977 after Nima's body was found. So now retired Cecil Davidson, a Lawton police detective recalled that everyone fell under, quote, the net of suspicion. And that included neighborhood babysitters, right? So the two babysitters, the main ones that the neighborhood used was Joy Smith and Jacqueline Robodeau. Then someone finally remembered that Robodeau had been questioned about the Carpenter case the year prior, and they had almost identical circumstances. Surprise, surprise, right? I feel like I would hear kid in a fridge and I'll be like, let's look at everybody who we talk to. And like step yes. one, like step one. Yes. Who do they know? Where is the overlap? Mm-hmm. So finally, Davidson confronted Robodeau about Nima's abduction and murder. And Robodeau claimed that she was playing bingo the night that Nima was abducted. When Davidson was interviewed later, he said that Robodeau was very quiet. He said, quote, she never looked you in the eyes. Her eyes were always somewhere else or looking at the ground. She would always get right close to telling you something critical, and then she'd back off. And he then continued, we could never get her to confess. The frustrating part was that we had no physical evidence, no fingerprints, no footprints, no hair, no blood, nothing. And then there is one other thing that stood out to Davidson during the interview with her. And he said she was very angry about the fact that everybody got to play bingo and she would get stuck babysitting. To this day, I'm convinced Jackie Robodeau murdered Nima, but the DA never felt we had enough to prosecute. That's insane. That is insane. I would also say lack of eye contact is not an admission of guilt. No, I mean, it's a nervous 16-year-old. You could ask her about anything. I think any 16-year-old, if you like put them in a room to be investigated about anything, they would be like freaked out. Or a 36-year-old as myself. Like I would be like, (laughs) I'm making way too much or way too little eye contact at all time. Right. But again, when I was like skimming all these theories about it, everyone's like, but why? Like, why would she do it? And the only thing anyone goes off of is that she was angry that everyone got to play bingo and she got stuck babysitting. I'm like, that is not an excuse to murder. That's insane. So interestingly, not everyone thought that she did it. George Carter was never fully convinced. And there was some other strange occurrences that had happened before Nima disappeared. So he was like, I think all of these are connected. The first thing, very sad, their dog was found poisoned. And then a few days later, the family came home to find that it had been trashed by vandals. And so he was like, all of this is related. So those two things and then Nima disappearing, like, has to be the same person in his head. I mean, it makes sense that they would, like, get rid of the dog so that the dog couldn't, like, bark or follow. 
Mm-hmm. And so he was like, oh, that's related. I don't really 100% think that Robodeau did it. Like, it just doesn't add up that she would do it. And he also said that Nima would get very excited when Robodeau would come over and like run up and give her a hug. So he like in his head, he couldn't imagine like someone that his kid loved, you know? Also, like if his daughter was crying, why was she crying if this was somebody who she liked? Yes. Yes. But also the cry it out method. Like she was probably pissed she had to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So you don't know. But later in a news article, he said that Robodeau, what he discovered, she was on drugs during this time in her life. So he's like, again, I don't know. He is convinced, however, that it is someone that the family knew and was familiar with their home. But again, just not fully convinced that it was Robodeau. Do you think that the drugs that he meant were pot? I don't know. I tried to find what article he was talking about. I cannot find the article. I'm just going off of his interview. I was just thinking of like that time period and like people have like very intense feelings about marijuana and they're like drugs. And it's like, okay, were they a stoner or were they doing something that like hard drugs? Where it would change your personality. Right, right. We don't know. So Roy Anderson, an investigator for the Comanche County District Attorney, finally had enough and wanted to confront Robodeau because they really wanted a confession. So he brought her to the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation's office and he said, quote, She never really came out and admitted to sticking the Carpenter twins in the refrigerator, but she said enough. She confirmed things that we already knew and some things we didn't. But the other thing that's interesting is she didn't say anything about Nima. Yeah. So District Attorney Don Bouchamp charged Robodeau with the first-degree murder of Mary Carpenter on October 19th of 1979. She was behind bars for two years before her bail was reduced from $50,000 to $5,000 right before her 1982 murder trial. So the first trial for Robodeau ended in a mistrial, but in 1985, Robodeau was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. The prosecutors were able to build a strong case And they had 75 witnesses who testified on behalf of the state. And they also planned on introducing Nima's case into the trial to show that there was a pattern of behavior, which is interesting Mm -hmm. that they would try to do that. You can try, but you can't always do it, you know? Yeah. So District Judge Jack Brock allowed Nima's murder to become part of the murder trial despite her not being charged for the crime. Rubido eventually was convicted and her attorneys appealed her life sentence because Nima's case was allowed to influence the jury, but nothing changed. The Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals upheld her sentence by a 2-1 vote in August of 1985, and Rubido died of liver cancer on August 26 of 2005 when she was 46 years old, which, fantastic, do not exist in this world. I do wonder if the charges against her are one of the reasons why they did not overturn her conviction. Like, if it was a different type of case. yeah. Typically, you have to have strong evidence of a pattern. And if they didn't have enough evidence to charge her with Nima's murder, it's odd that they were able to bring it up at all. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. But I'm glad, like, at least her name got to be, you know, said in court mm-hmm. because otherwise they wouldn't have had any sort. I mean, they still don't get closure, obviously. No. But, you know, at least her name was there. Yeah. Well, and, like, what's interesting too is we're talking late 1970s. This very much could have been thrown in the satanic panic bucket. Yeah. And I think had there been any evidence of that being an an involvement here, it would have been. Probably. So to this day, George is still unsure of who did it. And there's a lot of discussions online and various theories of who might have done it if it wasn't Robodeau. Unfortunately, his wife Rose passed away, but they did have another daughter two years after Nima died named Aaron Steen. And it was really sweet. There's like an interview... Um, where she was like, 
I grew up knowing about my older sister and like how much she wishes she could have met her. It just made my heart sad. Yeah. George luckily did find peace years later and said, quote, I don't need to know because the person who did this will have to ultimately answer to God. You know, I'll never forget the act, but I forgive the person. I really do. And that alone has set me free. It's like, ugh, having to live with all that is so hard. Yeah. He also did mention in an interview that he wished he could have spoken to Robido before she died because he wanted that chance to just ask her face to face if she killed his daughter. And he's like, I never got that. I feel like twice is a strange thing to happen in that area. Yes. And it's so specific. So specific. But also there wasn't more. Right. Right. And the fact that there wasn't additional cases after that with that same pattern, it suggests that she was involved to me. I agree. I agree. But sadly, no one ever was charged for Nima's abduction or murder. And that's sad. Like, they they got closure in a way, but they still didn't because she didn't pay for Nima. Yeah. Oklahoma Cold Cases still has her case listed on the website with the number to call if anyone has any more information. But like you just said, like, it makes sense that it was Robido. Agreed. So those are our Halloween true crime cases for you this week. We hope you have a safe and happy Halloween. I also, Amanda, do you ever buy Reese's Cups from Walmart? Okay, I have a thing with Reese's Cups. Mm -hmm. I love peanut butter candies. Like, it's my favorite thing. However, I only like the themed Reese's. So, like, I love pumpkin Reese's and they make ghosts now. And I like Easter egg ones. So you don't like the ratio, the standard ratio. Yeah, I don't like the hard edge around the side. I do. So I always want the themed ones. I feel like that tastes like plastic. I like to cut it like a pie. Oh. Because it looks like a pie. But interesting. the reason why I bring it up is because there was a recall of them because they found live worms inside. Disgusting. I did see that on Facebook and it made me really sad. I've not even bought any Halloween candy yet this year. Normally, I'm already like ready to go. I'm not prepared. I figured I would buy it like right before because otherwise I'm like, ooh, just like one for me. Otherwise, I'll be like, this is for me. And then I'll end up buying another bag anyway. So I'm like, I'll just get it then. That's fair. That's fair. We actually have kids in our neighborhood now, though, which is exciting because like last year I had like candy and there was like there was like one or two kids. And so I had candy and I was all ready and then no one knocked. And I was like, oh, no. So I'll be very sad if no trick-or-treaters come knocking on our door. So we have mentioned our contest multiple times during this episode. But again, it ends Halloween night. So check out our social media, or our website for the deets and hot goss on it. We'll be selecting a winner at the beginning of November. So keep an eye out for that. And our fall card is going out this week. So fire yetis and any tiers above that. Check your mailboxes. We are so fucking excited about this card. What a fun time we had creating yes. this. I think this is my favorite one. I say that every year, but this is my favorite. For sure. <laughs> it's definitely different from what we've done in the past, but I'm obsessed with it. Yes. And if you're curious about you know what we're doing with our Patreon, check out our website and it has a link to our Patreon with all of our tiers. We have a lot of fun stuff for them. Yes. And with that, have a great weekend. Happy Halloween and thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you.
suddenly. I thought you were going to talk about. Yeah, you have more. You have more there. Oh, oops. Okay. <laughs> oops. <laughs> I thought we were done recording. Done and done. Are we done? Are we done? I'm going to when we were young in a couple hours. Like I'm. Yeah, Amanda's like, not here right I'm so now. So excited. I'm not here. No, I'm gone. I'm already at the concert. Yeah. Um. Okay. I like the way you think. Sorry, an eyelash went into my eye, and I was like, oh. Ben and I were talking about going to see the movie, uh-huh. and he was like, you went to the concert, and I was like, yes, but I also need to go to the movie, because there's, like, some visual elements that exist that are different. Like, do you remember when the snake was slithering on the screen? It looks 3D. Like, there's, like, a CGI snake in the movie that's massive from, like, what I've heard. I could be wrong. Also, all the videos of people being silly and fun in the theaters. I love that. Yeah, it does look fun. Have you seen the articles about people having like amnesia of the show? And then when they're watching it in the theater, they're like, I don't remember this because they were so into it that they kind of blacked out in a sense. Yeah, that is another reason why I want to go see it is because I know <laughs> that I I want to remember all of it. And it part of it is like a blur because I was so excited. And also, I love like it is one of my favorite things is to see other people being excited about something like genuinely just like pure joy. Yeah. And I was doing a lot of like taking everyone in. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's probably stuff that I've missed that I'm like, yeah, going to be like, oh, look at that. And I, I peed at least once, you know, it was a very long concert. She went on for like three hours, which was Ben was like, is it a three hour movie? And I was like, I don't know. But I, I was like, I can go by myself. And like I said, like maybe one more line about like there was stuff that was in it that wasn't that like you may not have seen in the actual concert. And he's like, well, I can go with you. And I'm like, OK, OK, you want to go. You're going you with go. me. But like you want to go too, and you don't mm-hmm. want to admit it. So Mario. 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 It's Mario. Mario. You said it earlier. And I was like, I do right, it all weirdo, the time. But- yeah. It's how I, I talk incredibly strange. <laughs> I have a Baltimore accent, but there's also things in here that just make no sense. <laughs> it is a book that you put your calendar in. What's that called? Starts with a P. A planner? Yeah. For no reason in particular. For much of my life, I called it a planner. Why? That's not how you say that. Oh, so fancy. That's not how words work. No one said that to me. I don't say planet, like planet. Like I know how to use a hard A. I digress. I talk strange. 